I'll take a hug. Amen. Well, God bless you. So glad to be back. It was good to have a week off on fall break, but uh, certainly glad to be back. Man, I just, as Elizabeth just said, I just love the presence of the Lord. Isn't that just incredible? Um, I want you to know we're praying for you this week. We've been, I've been praying for you this week and just that uh, the answers that you've been looking for, that the breakthrough that you've been looking for, the things that you've been praying through, that the Lord would, would start to show you something this week, start to give you answers and give you hope. Um, I su- was surprised when I drove down 111 and saw the billboard back up that says, come find hope here. And you know, it really spoke to my heart. There is hope here because God is here. Do you know that? God is here. God's in me. God's in you. When we begin to sing together and lift up the name of the Lord, He comes. Where two or more are gathered, He is here. So there is hope here. So I want to encourage you. We're going to go back over our vision. Our vision here at Church on the Hill is to be a loving family that seeks to be transformed by the good news of Jesus Christ. Reaching our community through genuine relationships as we share the hope that we have found in Jesus. We have a plan, we have a purpose, and it is to begin to walk this out. As God gives us vision, we start to walk forward. We are not supposed to stand still. It says that God will give us our steps, that he will lead our steps, but we have to take the steps. We have to walk. You may be stuck. Uh, Elizabeth has pulled a quote from somewhere. I don't remember who said it, but I love it. If you find yourself in hell, keep walking. Don't stay there. God will lead your steps, but you've got to be leadable. You've got to be teachable. You've got to be being taught. And something that's so heavy on my heart with this vision is what is the primary role of a Christian? And I believe it is to be discipled and to disciple. That's what Jesus said when I leave here, go and make disciples. We are to be, as a Christ follower, we are to be following Christ, knowing who He is, knowing where His heart is, being filled with His Spirit and led by it, being plugged into His body, serving in His body, and being discipled, being taught. If all you do, listen, this is going to be tough. If all you do is come to church, you're not doing it. He did not say, hey, everyone, go to church. He said, be discipled and disciple. Learn who I am. Follow me. Now, part of that is going to church. He says, do not forsake the assembly. We've got to go to church. Why? Because there's power here. There's breakthrough here. There's answers here. There's love here. But are you being discipled and are you discipling? That's where we're going. That's where I was praying this week, Lord, let this church be what your heart was for this church. And I felt like the Lord says, okay, then be a disciple and begin to disciple people. Okay, God, clear, clear to be a loving family that seeks to be transformed by the good news of Jesus Christ. Transformed, that is that you change. Transformed where? Transform our mind. Do you remember we went all through this? We are to change, reaching our community through genuine relationships as we share the hope that we have found in Jesus. Church, it's time to move, and it's time to move together. Last week, the week before, we've been talking about, Pastor Justin talked about, and then I talked about loving God. Let's go back to the scripture that we've been referring to. Again, as we're starting to unroll this vision, let's go back to basics. It says in Matthew 22, But when the Pharisees 
heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And second is like this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands depend all the law and the prophets. I'm going to come back to that. But the entire law we see is summed up here in one command. Last time we were looking at learning to love God, not out of obedience. Even though it says, if you love me, you will obey me. But he did not come to require, to control. He came to show us himself. And as we begin to really know who God is, as we sang that third song, you're a good, good father. He is. If we can ever get to know him, we will realize he's not trying to control us. He's not trying to hurt us or hold us down. He's trying to set us free. He's trying to empower us. He's trying to lead us into victory after victory after victory from glory to glory. Doesn't mean we don't have challenges, but as we have challenges, He's there. He's there to help and to rescue and to make a way for us. So when we really begin to get a touch, to begin to get a feel of who really God is, then out of that... I change. I begin to follow him. I begin to trust him because his ways are greater than my ways. And they work. He's faithful. As I felt like the Lord was saying to you, church, this morning, he's saying, trust me. I'm trustworthy. Trust me. But in order to trust someone, you've got to know someone. What do we trust? So literally, as we get to know the Lord, we change and we start to follow him, his word, his spirit, his body. But now as we go back to Matthew 22, I want you to listen to me, church on the hill. It is Jesus speaking. So listen up. They're trying to trick him, but he's responding. This is his word. Jesus is talking. Jesus is speaking. Second, and equally important, just as he says, love God, he says, secondly, Love your neighbor. Would you say it's pretty big? Jesus has just summed up the law in two statements. Love God and love each other. Matthew 7 verse 12 says, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. So I want to make a connection here. Can we say that these two scriptures, Matthew 7 and Matthew 22, are connected? I believe that we can say that they are connected. So whatever you wish that you would do to others, do also to them. So I want to ask you, is our doing connected to our loving? I believe our doing is connected to our faith. We're going to see in James uh, that if, if we have faith but don't do, it's empty, it's worthless. If we do and have no faith, it's useless. So our doing, my voice is cracking. I've been screaming up here on stage trying to keep up with my my kids up here. As my voice cracks, I want you to know my doing must be connected to my faith. My doing, in turn, must be connected to my loving. And I'm going to show you this. In James chapter 2, verse 8, do you know that that faith is action? 
Faith must do. Faith without works is dead. I also believe that love is action. James chapter 2, verse 8 says, Yes, indeed. It is good when you obey the royal laws found in the scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. If we just turn just a little bit farther uh, in the same chapter to verse 17, it says, You see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Verse 19, you say you have faith, but you believe that, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, they, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can you see that faith without good deeds is useless? So I'm going to tile this together, but, you know, we can sit here and say God is good and we believe in God. It says, it says if you say you're faith, if you have faith, for you believe that there is one God, you're just saying out of your mouth, yeah, I believe in God, yeah, I trust Him, yeah, I serve Him, but you're doing nothing? It says even the demons believe this. The demons even believe there is one God. They don't argue that. But the difference in us is if we truly believe, if we truly have faith, then we will do. Our faith must have action. If not, it's empty. So I, what I want to show you today is that I believe that this loving your neighbor sometimes is just doing. Sometimes I don't want to do, but I do uh, uh, Burton and Cindy today were talking about how sometimes loving your neighbor is suffering. Do any of you have to suffer to love some people? That's what I'm talking about. It requires an action that you may not necessarily want to do, but you do it. Faith without works is dead. It says in Matthew 7, 12, let's go back to that. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. What is? My parents always taught me this, do unto others as you would have them do unto to you. And as a child, I'm like, what does that mean? I can't hardly even say it. It's a tongue twister. Do unto others. Man, talk English. How you want to be treated, do that to someone else. Doing to others as you would do to yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. I will tell you, if you don't love yourself, you've got to a disconnect between you and God. If you're having trouble with you, you've got to get back on the right plane with the Lord because He will fulfill you. Where you are disconnected, He'll fulfill it. He thinks way more highly of you than you do. And when you begin to buy into what He thinks, our Creator, what the Creator thinks about you, you'll change. So loving God, but now doing to others. Not talking about best friends here. We're talking about doing. Look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 14. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love others as you love yourself. So loving others, listen to me church. Loving others, I believe, is an outward manifestation. A visible expression 
a practical demonstration and therefore the fulfillment of what the Old Testament is all about. It is an outward sign of what is in your heart. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If I stay around you long enough or you stay around me long enough, I'm going to know what's in your heart. You can play a game for so long and then out of the abundance of your heart, you're going to start talking. I don't want to talk about the football game yesterday. That is not overflowing in my heart. Had things been different, it might have been. But can I tell you in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't have any effect on my life? It just doesn't. The Spirit of God does. The purpose and plan of God does. So loving out others is an outward expression. So there's a sense that it, where the second commandment, to love your neighbor, is the visible goal of the whole law. Do you see this? It's not as though loving God's not there or that loving God is less important. Rather, loving God is made visible and manifest by us loving each other. Look at Romans chapter 13, verse 8. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, it is summed up in the saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. Two times Paul says that the command to love our neighbor is the fulfillment of the law. I believe that this is what Jesus meant in Matthew 7, 12, that treating others as you would like to be treating, treated is the law and the prophets. It, it wants to get a little bit wordy here, but I want you to know that your loving your neighbor is the fulfillment of the law. If you love your neighbor, you are not going to be committing adultery with your neighbor. It says to love your neighbor as yourself. You're not wanting to hurt yourself and you're not wanting to hurt someone else. Our outward expression. In Matthew 7, 12, Paul doesn't say that the law is fulfilled in loving God and loving your neighbor. He only says that if you love your neighbor, you fill up the law. I think this means the same as Matthew 12, loving our neighbor as we love ourselves is the visual expression and the manifestation of us loving God. Can anybody follow where we are? Love for God comes visible when we love others. Uh, John, uh, this morning in Sunday school, says that they will know that we are Christians by our love. They'll know we're different because we're able to love someone that's unlovable. How can you love that person? I'm going to show you how. I'm going to show you. Because this practical love is utterly dependent upon your relationship with the Lord. Romans 8 verse 3. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own son, in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh or ourself, but according to the Spirit or God. 
What is that saying? The fulfilling of the law is not something we can do on our own. If we could have, there was no reason to send Jesus. We can't. But we can see here. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. He sent Jesus so that the law could be fulfilled in us who don't walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. We do it by the Holy Spirit. So if we go back to Matthew 7, 12, when Jesus and Paul say that loving our neighbor as we love ourselves is the fulfillment of the Old Testament, they don't exclude the love of God from it. They assume it. He's saying here you can't do it without the Lord. You must have the Lord. But once you have the Lord, the outward expression of that is being able to love those people that hate you. Love those people that are unlovable. And I can tell you, I can be that person. If you don't realize that you can be unlovable, I just can be. If I really dig, look hard, I don't have to look hard into my flesh to not love someone. All I got to do is just touch a little bit of flesh. And what happens is I become selfish. If you look back in James, it talks about selfish ambition, that, that kind of wisdom that's demonic. But that godly wisdom is unselfish. It's selfless. It's pure. That's what's able to come in and take over our heart. An ability beyond your own ability. So, let's go back to the first scripture we showed, Matthew twenty two thirty seven. Here Jesus does mention both love for God and love for your neighbor, neighbor but he says explicitly, on these two commands, and in this translation, he uses the word depends. Depend the whole law and the prophets. Why? I want to suggest that he is saying something different here than in those other texts. Here he does not say that these two commands fulfill the law and the prophets, or that they are the law and the prophets. He says that they, the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. On these two commands depend the law, the whole law and the prophets. Now, we're going to get deep just for a second. And I just ask right now that those that have eyes to see, see. Those that have ears to hear, hear. That you hear what the Spirit of God is saying to you this morning. We have so many noises going on in our life that we don't hear. I want to encourage you to hear just for a moment. When we look at this word, this word depend, it literally means to hang like a stone around the neck or like a man on a cross. I want you to think about Jesus hanging on the cross and what hung there. What hung there was a love for God and a love for us. He hung on that cross because of his love for God. But he also hung on that cross because of his love for us. And that's what he offers us. When we truly begin to get to know who God is. When we truly begin to know who God is and begin to follow him. He places in us the heart of Christ that hung on that cross for us. To enable us to be able to love someone that's unlovable. Do you know he hung on that cross knowing I would be unlovable. 
And he said, I will hang on that cross because I love you just like you are. And it gives us that same ability to look at someone that is just making terrible decisions, that is just going the wrong way, that continues to hurt us, and say, okay, I'm called to love you. Now, I've got to try. It's going to take some effort. It's going to take some faith. It's going to take some God. God, you're going to have to help me. You know what the Lord would say? Okay, thanks for asking. Quit trying to do it on your own because you can't. You can't love that person on your own. You can't even love yourself on your own. You really want to love yourself, you're going to have to love me. If you love me, you can love yourself. And if you can love yourself, you can know how to do for others. Do unto others as you would do for yourself. Go ahead and just do that. That expression will show that I am in your heart. That expression of love. So we are called to love one another. Depend. They were saying that the law and the prophets lead to and find expression and fulfillment in love. But Matthew twenty two forty, I think Jesus is saying the reverse, that love leads to and finds expression in the law and the prophets. The law and the prophets are hanging on or depending on something before them, namely God's passion that this world, the history of humankind, be a world full of love for God and a radical love for each other. You can love a sinner you can love someone and an addict. You can love a Muslim. You can. Because Jesus loves them. Because of what someone shows up, their baggage does not disqualify them from your ability to love them. Now, maybe they've got issues. We don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against spiritual powers. And when we can get those spiritual powers taken care of, we just saw on the scripture we just read that God came to break that power. When we break that power, then the person is lovable. We can love that person. I can be loved. This vision, we've got to be able to see people as God sees them. That's what vision is. When God gives us vision, he gives us a way to see things that he sees. I don't believe it would be too much to say that all creation, all of redemption, all of history hang on these two purposes. That humans love God with all their hearts and that overflow is manifested in us loving each other. Church, I believe the Lord is calling us, is calling out to us to get to know Him. It's not just to come to church. And yeah, we want you here at church. This church body is going somewhere. We are, we are loving people. We are going to impact our city. We can't do it without you, but we certainly can't do it without God. We must get to know the Lord. You must get confident in who you are in the Lord. And then we must start to show that through love for each other. And as Burton's class this morning talked about, sometimes it's, it's suffering. Loving someone that's hurting you is hard. Loving someone that doesn't think the same way as you is hard. Democrats loving Republicans is hard. And vice versa. That's all the politics I'm going to talk. God help us. 
Do you know he's still on the throne? And he has a plan. Will we seek it? Will we seek it? Church, our role is to be a disciple of Christ and to disciple. But I want you to back up and just go back to these two commands, loving God and loving each other. I want you to think about Jesus hanging on the cross, and as he did, he did that out of his love for his Father and out of his love for you. The way that I'm able to love you in a godly way is because of my love for the Father. And as he in turn pours into me, I'm able to love you as he would love you. Amen. It's time for us to change. It's time for us to turn. Don't just come in here and just sit and listen to a message and go on about your day. Change. Make a change. Change your direction. Change your heart. Change your mind. Make a change. I'm just going to pray over you as we close. I just, Lord, I just...